Hi, I'm Jimmy Evans, and this is the Marriage Day Podcast. On this season of the podcast, we're highlighting one of my favorite teaching series. Marriage on the Rock was first printed in 1994 and has helped millions of couples since. In Marriage on the Rock, we cover what it takes to have a successful biblical marriage. In today's episode, I'm talking about understanding and meeting your spouse's needs. Enjoy this teaching. Understanding and meeting your spouse's needs, and uh, needs are huge in marriage. Now, listen, listen to me. There are some needs that your spouse can't meet. Jesus came to a woman at the well of Samaria, and she'd been married five times, and she was living with a man. And Jesus said, lady, if you keep drinking from that water, you're going to keep being thirsty. But if you knew who was talking to, to you, you would ask me for a drink, and you'd never thirst again. This woman was trying to get her deepest needs met from a human being, and you just can't do that. The most important issue in marriage is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, because only God can meet your four deepest needs, which are acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. No human being can meet those needs. When you get married and you don't have a, a close relationship with Christ, you're gonna automatically transfer the expectation of your needs to your spouse, and you set your marriage up for failure because your spouse can't be Jesus for you. Only God can meet those needs. So when Jesus found this woman, he felt sorry for her. She'd been divorced five times, and now she was cohabiting. You know, she was beat up, and she had given up on marriage, a lot like many people have today. But when Jesus found her, he went to the root of the problem and said, lady, you're just drinking from the wrong well. And if you would just change sources, that it would change everything. When Karen and I get up in the morning, the first thing we do is get along with God. We did it this morning. We do it every morning. And the most important thing we do for our marriage is to pray and to read the word of God and let God deal with our hurts, our fears, our insecurities, our needs, our desires. And then out of the overflow of God's love, we love each other. We simply don't have the ability to love each other in a healthy, functional manner without first having a relationship with God. We remember down in the Garden of Eden, it was not Adam and Eve. It was Adam and Eve and God. And everything was marvelous as long as God was there. When God left the garden or when he kicked them out because of sin, that's when all the problems happened. We desperately need a relationship with Jesus Christ. But there are needs that we meet in each other that, that are important. In other words, if we could meet our own needs, we wouldn't get married. But we get married because we need to meet each other's needs. Um, meeting each other's needs, it creates and maintains the attraction between each other. It truly does. Met needs are, are a huge thing in just maintaining the health of the relationship and minimizing outside risks. Is when you're meeting each other's needs, it doesn't mean that there would never be a problem, but it means it minimizes outside temptation when we're meeting each other's needs in marriage. So let me talk about the four major needs of men and women and how to meet those needs. Now I'm gonna begin with men, but ladies, be patient with me because I'm gonna get to the, uh, your needs here in just a minute. Four needs of a man and how to meet them. Number one need of a man is honor and respect. This is our mega need. Women have a mega need and men have a mega need. This is our mega need. And when the Bible says in Ephesians 5.22, wives submit your husbands as to the Lord, in verse 33 it says you respect your husband. Men and women are total equals. The verse before that says submit to one another in the fear of Christ. So I don't believe in a, in a concept of submission, women should submit because they're not as equal or you know, something like that. Men and women are completely equals. What, what is being tried to, uh, what Paul is saying here is respect your husband like you would the Lord. Not the way your mother did your father. Not the way you see on television. Not the way your friends do their husbands. How would you respond to Jesus Christ? 
If you, were in a, if you were in a relationship with Jesus and you were responding to him, that's the standard the Bible gives for women because men have a need for respect and honor. It's our biggest need, is men gravitate to the place where they get honor and respect and they run from any place where we feel like I may be disrespected. And again, it goes back to this, this issue of the way that women talk to their husbands is you say anything you wanna say, it's just the how. The next thing is honor him where you want him to be, not where he is. Honor him, this is what Karen did for me. Proverbs 31 talks about the excellent wife and it says her husband is an elder in the gates of the city. It attributes it to her, not him. Her husband is an elder in the gates of the city because of her. In other words, her husband probably wasn't acting like an elder in the gates of the city, but she treated him as though he were an elder in the gates of the city and he became, according to her, her level of honor. Listen, men become in an atmosphere of honor. Men will do anything for honor. We're crazy for honor. And so when a wife is honoring her husband beyond where he is, undeserved honor, in, in, in other words, speaking destiny into your husband, beyond what he's doing right now, what do you see in your husband? What did you see in him when you were dating him? And you honor him at that level. He, he rises to that level of honor. And the number four is cover his faults and focus on his strengths. The devil, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And he's always accusing, constantly accusing. And what the devil wants us to do is constantly think about the worst qualities in our spouse. What God wants to do is us to constantly think about the best qualities in our spouse. This is men and women, both. And when the, when the devil has had our, his way, our minds become negative in fault finding and all we do is see the wrong thing. And you know, on any given day, you can wake up and write down all the bad things about your life, but on any given day, the good things about our lives far outweigh the bad things. But we have a tendency to take the good things for granted and focus on the bad things. That's why praise is such a critical discipline between us and God. Praise and thanksgiving means when I wake up, God, we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. God never lets a negative person into his presence. And praise and thanksgiving means I'm, doesn't mean I don't want more and it doesn't mean I don't have problems. It means I'm constantly aware of the goodness of God in my life. And upon that foundation, I ask for everything else that I want. God's like, God's like any parent. If you had a child that came to you and said, well, you're not very good parents. You're sure not as good as Billy's parents. Billy's got stuff I've never even dreamed of having. And if you want to work your way out of it, let me just tell you, there's a new Xbox out. If you buy it for me, I'll stop grabbing. Well, every parent's going to run to the store and buy something for that child. Of course you're not. You want a child that comes and says, mother and father, you're just incredible. Let me just say that right off the bat. I mean, you're just incredible parents. And thank you for the breath that's in my lungs, by the way. And I've got a little thing to ask of you. And your child comes, you do anything for that child, a thankful child. God's the same way. Men want a thankful wife. I think you're a good man. I'm thankful that I married you. You're a leader. I see it in you. I believe in you. That's, that's what men want to hear. Focus on his strengths. And when I say cover is false, again, I'm not saying that you, um, you, you, know, you enable a destructive husband. I'm just saying every man's imperfect. Don't, don't tell other people what he's doing wrong. Don't, don't focus on it. Don't, don't let it be the highlight of your life. Remind yourself every day 
about the good things that your husband does. And, and if, as you begin to remember that, you'll realize that's a lot. The second need that men have is sex. And so it, men are typically, 20% of women are more sexual than their husbands, but most men are more sexual than their wives. And so the way that you meet your husband's need for sex is first of all, you communicate to your husband that you accept his need and that you're committed to meeting it. I accept, I accept this need. And again, I want to say, when I did pre-marriage counseling for a long time, getting people, you know, couples ready to be married, and regardless of how much I told the young brides about their husband's need for sex, you know, typically six months into the marriage, they're convinced they married a pervert. You know, and all, <laughs> all, all he thinks about is sex. And, and typically, what, what women do is, or typically is they sometimes try to shame their husbands out of it. Like, again? It's impossible. It is, you're, this isn't healthy. Again, and lectures and brow beating, and it's like, like is, I, I accept the fact that you're more sexual than me. Okay, men gave men the need for sex and women the gift of sex, and sex is the magnet that keeps him drawing back to you. And that's really the way that it is. God gave your husband that need to keep drawing him back to you. Understand that men are visual and physical, much more than women. Now, women aren't blind related to sex, but men, men are visually stimulated. They want to see their wives naked, um, which means either naked or lingerie, and not flannel, and <laughs> not canvas. Not, uh, I did a, a seminar one time in Baltimore, and I, made, I didn't know there was a stand-up comedian in the audience, and I said, uh, ladies, there's a place for flannel nightgowns, and this guy yelled out, the fireplace. And that's the way we, so men don't need non-sexual touching. We want sexual touching, and, and we, want, we want to see our wives' bodies, and many women don't feel good about their bodies, and this, this is just, no man should ever compare his wife's body to any other woman. I married the most beautiful woman on the earth, period. When she's 99 years old, she will be the most beautiful woman on the earth, period. And I will never compare her to another woman, period. I will not compare my wife's body to anyone who has not paid the price to bear my children. And so, you shouldn't look at other women. You shouldn't compare your wife to any other woman. And so, but many women compare themselves and they don't feel good about themselves, but need to understand your husband has that need. Another way that you meet your husband's need for sex is be more sexual than you feel. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to your husbands in just a minute about your needs. And, and we're gonna talk about communication, okay? And, and your need for open and honest communication. And many men don't, don't feel like talking. They're just not natural talkers. And so when I talk to your husband in just a minute, you're gonna, you're gonna be really thankful because... Here's what I'm going to say to your husband. It doesn't matter how you feel about talking. You cough it up, pal. <laughs> I'm just giving you a preview of what's about to happen. <laughs> it's exciting, isn't it? Okay. doesn't matter if you feel... I don't care if you feel like talking or not. Talk. Just talk. Okay. So let me rewind here for just a minute. doesn't matter how you feel. You be sexual. Yep. Let me talk about, let me talk for just a minute about matching libidos, matching libidos, okay? Having the same sex, because some people think, well, you know, sex, you have sex in marriage when you both feel like it. <laughs> You'll have sex about eight times. And most sex in marriage is meeting a need in your spouse that you don't have. 
And if your wife is more sexual than you, you do that for her. You meet your, you meet your spouse's needs. Otherwise, you, you just uh, you know, leave them to their needs being unmet, which is, which is a very bad thing. Be more sexual than you feel. And be energetic and creative in meeting your husband's need. Very important. Fun and friendship is another need that men have. We want to be, fun. We want to be friends with our wives. I want Karen to be my friend. I don't want to be mother. Is I, I, want, I want Karen to be my buddy. Men want their wives to be their best friends. And that means come out of your world into his world. And don't lose your identity in mothering. You, I'm sure you're a terrific mother. But don't become matronly. And don't lose your identity in being a mother and forget that you're also his buddy. You need to come into his world. I love a story that a pastor told about a couple in his church and their marriage was on the really, really in a bad state. And this woman, this woman went hunting with her husband one day. She, she knew that he loved to deer hunt and she said, honey, I, I want to go deer hunting with you. And um, of course he was a little worried because he thought maybe she wanted to get him alone with a firearm. And, uh, <laughs> but what she did she came out of her world into his world and healed her marriage. They went on a hunting trip. Let me say something. Your husband will never be as open with you as when he's having fun with you. You'll be sitting somewhere having fun and all of a sudden you'll find your husband just opens up because that's the way we're wired. When you're my friend, I'll open my heart to you. Until you're my friend, I don't know because that's one of the most important needs I have. You come into my world and you be my buddy. That's what I need from you. Number four is su support at home. Now listen, men should do their equal share at home. Is that um, I, it, men, housework, when you get home, your job just started, it didn't end. Uh, at home, I, I vacuum, I take out the trash, I fold clothes, I, I do laundry, I don't cook for health and safety reasons. Uh, it's just better if I don't. But Karen does not pick up after me. I mean, she does sometimes, but I pick up after myself. I don't put those burdens on Karen. And, uh, but here's what I need from Karen. Women have the gift of nesting and turning a house into a home. Here are the four needs of a woman and how to understand and meet her needs. And the first is security. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. The standard, the standard for women is respect your husband the way you would Jesus. The standard for men is give your life for her. Just like Jesus gave his life for you, you love her more than you love yourself. You sacrifice yourself for her. Women, women this is the mega need that men have. The mega, the mega need for men is honor. The mega need for women is security. So women feel most secure in an environment where there is a sacrificial sensitive man that they're married to. Women feel most insecure when they're married to a selfish, detached man. Security to a woman just simply means, to my hurt, I will meet your needs. I come second. I'm not the head of this home so I can get it my way and I get the big chair and the clicker in the living room. I'm the head of this home so that I can serve you and make sure Whatever you need, you get it first before I get it. You come before me. And you'll never have to nag. You'll never have to beg. Tell me once. I'm studying you. You're on my heart. Tell me once and you'll get it. And if I don't agree, I'll tell you right up front. But if I tell you no, it's only because it's not a good thing for you. But I will sacrifice to meet your needs. Women are in heaven. Women are in heaven. They, they need security. Here's how to meet your wife's need for security. Communicate your commitment to sacrifice for her. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave himself for her. 
I will have to sacrifice something. I'll have to sacrifice an interest, a hobby, a friend, an, an event, an opportunity, a promotion. It, I don't know what I'm gonna have to sacrifice. But here's the issue. Nothing is as important to me as you are, and I will sacrifice to make sure that your needs are met just the way Jesus sacrificed for me, I'm gonna sacrifice for you. The second is be sensitive to your wife's needs and don't make her nag or beg. Never, ever should your wife have to nag or beg. Romance, uh, when you send your wife flowers or cards or you're romantic to your wife, what you're saying to your wife is you're on my heart. The lack of romance simply means I don't think about you. You're not on my heart. My, my uncle now, this, this is, I did my uncle's funeral. This is years ago. And my uncle and my aunt were married for 40 years, had a wonderful marriage. I did my uncle's funeral. And when I was doing his eulogy, my aunt told me that for 40 years of marriage, he wrote her a new poem every day. Let me just tell you something. There's only so many ways you can work around roses are red, violet, you know. <laughs> Think about that for just a minute. Every day for 40 years. And they had, a, I never even thought about it. They had a wonderful marriage. She, she was the happiest woman on earth. I said, are you kidding me? She said, on our dining room table every morning, there was a new poem that he wrote me. You know what that means? When he was alone every morning, he was thinking about her. As opposed to a man who's never romantic. And it just means my mind is somewhere else. And so I'm sensitive to you be a faithful provider and a faithful money manager because that's another part of her security is knowing that she's gonna be provided for. It, and let me say this, whatever job you have, some of, the, some of the most important people in society are not well paid. Teachers, policemen, you know, people, they're the most amazing armed forces people. I know we're on a military base. Some of the most amazing heroic people on earth deserve a lot more money than they get. And the issue, give them a hand. And the issue isn't the size of the paycheck. The issue is the size of the commitment, which just simply means I'm gonna provide for this home and I'm gonna make sure that, that I lead in the, um, in the financial management of the home. And I'll talk about that more in just a minute. Number two need for a woman is soft non-sexual affection. Is again, women, women need this. And the more non-sexual soft affection they get, the more sexual they become, which is an amazing thing. And so you need to, you need to be a, uh, physically affectionate with your wife. Uh, you need to listen to her when she's telling you she wants to be held and be patient and gentle. And what it communicates to her is she's more to you than just a sex object. Your wife needs non-sexual touching and affection. And, and some men would say, well, that's just, that's just not the way that I am. Doesn't matter. You need to change. You need to meet her need. It wasn't natural for me. I wasn't raised in that kind of a family. And it wasn't, it's not a need that I have. It's not a need that I have but it's a need that she had. And so when I changed, it changed our marriage. It was tremendously important to her. Number three need that women have is open and honest communication is women don't want headlines. They don't want grunts and groans. They don't want to hear nothing. Who'd you see today? Nothing. No one. What'd you do? Nothing. I drove to work, stood in front of a blank wall and told everybody to be quiet. And I drove directly home. I have spoken to no one today. <laughs> when your wife, she wants, she wants this to, again, this is how she connects to your world is through communication. And so, and to your heart. And so when your wife says to you, what did you do today? Here's the answer she wants. You want to say, I didn't do much. 
I didn't even, no, I just, I saw Bob. <laughs> and Bob is the same as Bob has always been. Okay. She says, how was your day? Here's what she wants to hear. Uh, 6.32 a.m. I came into consciousness. <laughs> I still had my eyes closed, but uh, I was feeling a little emotional about my meeting with Bob. And uh, that's, she wants the whole day. And she doesn't just want the event. She wants the feelings. The feelings associated. See, I would talk to Karen for years, and she would, I would tell her something. She'd say, well, how'd you feel about that? And I'd say, feel? How'd you feel? I don't feel anything, you know. And, uh, well, men come emotionally unassembled, and women wire them up, you know. And that's how they do it. They get you talking, then they start saying, this is a feeling. Zzz. See right there, Zzz. that's a feeling. And you're going to have more of those as more conversations take place. And so again, I, I told Karen, Karen wanted me to talk. And I, you know, I felt like she was nosy anyway. And I thought, I'm not feeding the monster. Information is the worst thing for her. You got to starve that thing out of her because she's nosy. She knows it. She wants to know about everything. So that's honestly the way I felt about it. And I'd come in the door and she started asking questions just like, ha, ha. So I told Karen when I changed, I said, okay, I'll talk. Okay. So I said, let me come in, have a little bit of time, and you'll put the kids down, and then we'll talk. So we made a time to talk face to face. Now I was, I was afraid of this. Now I honestly was nervous about it because I just, I wasn't good at it. I didn't know how to do it, but I knew it was important to Karen. So I told her one, I said, we'll sit down and we'll talk for as long as you want to talk about anything you want to talk about. And I thought, I am the greatest man ever lived. And B, they'll find me dead tomorrow with my brain sucked out. Because the sister will suck my brain right out my ear. I don't stand a chance. So we, we got together that night and we sat face to face, turned off the TV, we sat face to face and we talked. And, and Karen, well, she'd never done this before. I'd never, I had never patiently talked to my wife ever in our marriage and given her the response that she was looking for. So we started talking and Karen, you know, this and this and this and this and this and this. And she asked, what about this? What about this? What about this? And she would say, well, how'd you feel about that? Well, there's a couple of things in my childhood she knew about and she always wanted to know because she knew I was messed up, you know, and she was just trying to locate the exact time and place, but she pretty much knew that. <laughs> so she asked her, well, how'd you feel about that? I, did, I didn't know. I, honestly, when I was growing up, I just shut off emotions because I couldn't handle them. The, some of the things that happened, just like all of us, I just didn't know, so I just shut them off. Well, Karen knew that those things were still in there because women, women are amazing in this regard. They really are. And Karen would say, well, how'd you feel about that? And I said, and I said Karen, honestly, I didn't feel anything about that. And she said, yes, you did. You don't know what I feel. <laughs> and so... It was amazing because about a week or two later, I was praying and the Lord brought it all back to me and began healing my life in that area. And Karen, Karen has been amazing in, with me because I love to talk now. Man, I love talking to Karen. It's one of the favorite things I love to do because it opened my world to something I didn't know before. But let me say, we sat and talked that night, I don't know, an hour and a half or, or three eternities or however long it was. But, <laughs> and at the end, she said, oh, that's all. And I said, that's all? She said, for tonight. 
And, <laughs> but let me tell you something. It was the most, when, here are sex secrets women wish their husbands knew from Reader's Digest. These are sex secrets that women wish their husbands knew. Um, for a woman, great sex begins with her life as a whole. Okay, that's not a sex secret. Many women find intimate conversation stimulating. What does that have to do with sex? Uh, attention after sex can be vital to a woman's satisfaction. That's after sex. That doesn't count. Uh, women need non-sexual touching and tenderness. Those are women's sex secrets. Well, that, that's not what men want to hear. Blowing to my ear at a 45-degree angle. And, uh, you know, that's what we need is the technical. Help us out. Sex secrets women wish their husbands knew. Okay, give us some real sex secrets. Talk to me. That's her sex secret. Hold me. A lot of times we as men, we want to, you know, one-dimensionalize and objectify our wives the way pornography does and just think they ought to turn on and turn off and just have sex just any way like that. But when you hold your wife and you talk to your wife, that will open her heart to you and will also open her to intimacy with you on a level that you've never experienced before. Very, very important to her. And I want to, I want to say now is, because I said, remember when I fast forwarded just a minute ago? This is, this is that moment. Okay, so I said to your wives earlier, it was worth the price of admission. I can promise you that. I told your wives, be more sexual than you feel. Okay. If she doesn't feel like having sex, she needs to have sex, sex anyway. That's what I said to her. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now, now, here's what I'm going to say to you. Who cares if you feel like talking? She's... Thank you. Your wife should meet your sexual needs because she has the gift of sex. She probably won't want it as often as you do, but your wife needs for you to talk. And you say, well, I'm just not as verbal as she is. Yeah, you are. It's just an attitude. You can talk as much as you want to talk. If you're with your friends at a basketball game, you talk to her off. You talk her ear off. You tell her what she wants to know with a good attitude. And you open your heart up to her. She deserves that. It's the way she connects to your world. We don't meet each other's needs based on our needs or our desires. We based, meet each other's needs based on their needs in a commitment that we're going to do that for the rest of our lives. You meet each other's needs. Women be more sexual than you feel. Men be more conversational than you feel. And you'll have a happy marriage. I'm almost done last need of a woman is leadership. Women don't want to be dominated. They want to be treated as equals, but they want their husband to be the loving initiator of the home in four important areas, the children, romance, finances, and spiritual matters. They want you to be the loving initiator of the home. Now you say, well, I have more of a passive personality. Especially you need to stand up 
and just be the initiator. It means you, you begin the conversation about your children. You begin the conversations about discipline. You begin the conversations about budgeting. You begin the conversations about church and spirituality and prayer and things like that. Again, she wants to be an equal partner. She doesn't want to be dominated. And if you have a naturally strong kind of a dominant personality, you got to ratchet that down. You got to slow down. You have to make a decision that you're not going to make decisions without her and you're not going to drag her or push her in the process. That you're going to treat her as an equal partner in everything that goes on, but you are going to be the initiator. Women love to be in a relationship with a man who is the loving initiator. They don't like it when they're being dominated and they don't like it when their husband's passive and won't lead. I had a problem in that area because I was dominant and it, it really hurt uh, our relationship. But everything that Karen and I do now is we do as equals. And I will not make her pay a price for being honest, but I am the initiator of our home. Now listen, Jesus is the only one that can meet your deepest needs. But once Jesus has met your deepest needs, there are important needs that you have that you need to be meeting in each other's lives. For men, it's honor, sex. They want to be friends with their wives. They want to have domestic support. For women... They want to feel secure. They want to be held and to have physical, soft, non-sexual affection. They want to be talked to in an open, in a, a patient manner. And they want their husband to be the loving initiator of the home. Uh, this is heaven. This is the heaven marriage. You've got the banquet set before you. And you've got utensils on your hands that are too long to serve yourself. Because you can't meet your own needs. But if you'll be a servant to each other, even when your needs are not getting met, you serve your spouse and you love your spouse, you be committed to the marriage. If you'll serve each other, you can have the marriage of your dreams. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage, and I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out exomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.